Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, podcasts? It's Corey from Best Served. This podcast is a clubhouse recording called Virtual and Ghost Kitchen How-To End-to-End Hospitality. In part two of three in our series on understanding and developing your ghost kitchen concept, we will deep dive into all the relationships required from vendors, employees, tech, drivers, and customers. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to uh, kind of part two of this three-part series, Virtual and Ghost Kitchen How-To. We're talking end-to-end hospitality, what I like to call the baton handoff. There are so many partners needed uh, internally within a food operations and uh, any third parties from apps to landlords to technology to drivers to the customer to be able to make this thing called a virtual and ghost kitchen happen. So that's what we're going to dig into today. Uh, we'll have the uh, the other moderators introduce themselves so we kind of know who we're going to be hearing from throughout this uh, discussion. Uh, also wanted to kind of start a little bit with just like a quick rundown of some terminology that you're going to be hearing throughout this. It's a whole different, uh, level of jargon as I've had to learn a lot uh, different than maybe some of us in the come up with the restaurants, but some of the terminologies, a lot, we're going to be talking third-party delivery apps. That's the DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. We're going to be talking about service and delivery fees a little bit today. You'll hear last mile, which is kind of that solution of getting it from your door to the customer door that the third party deliver apps do or a chow now within something like DoorDash drives that you're, you're housing that yourself will be last mile order aggregator will come up. That's bringing all the orders from the different portals that you have into kind of one, maybe two tablets instead of six or seven and trying to focus that KDS kitchen display system. You'll hear that a little bit as we talk about technology. Uh, we'll probably talk about uh, licensee because the, uh, the, Model is a little bit different than uh, than a typical lease. It's more of a licensee, and we can we can touch on that a little bit, and then we'll probably touch on the different types of ghost kitchens, virtual kitchens, dark kitchens, headless restaurants, all of the monikers that have been tied to it. Uh, but you do have the the restaurant kitchen where you take your restaurant and, and you might have a burger joint and you also have a separate brand doing tacos uh, is the idea of a restaurant kitchen that would be a ghost kitchen concept uh, multi-concept kitchen several of your brands in one kitchen so you might be operating three or four out of one facility um, that are all yours multi-stall kitchen this can be one operator where you have multiple separate brands but they run their own line versus multiple on a single line so that might come up as well satellite kitchens where you might basically have your own commissary that then services and brings food which sean can talk about a little bit and uh, you might have that model and then virtual food hall, which Neely can talk about at length from our panel here, where basically you, you have uh, stalls, outlets, of independent operators housed within one kind of hub that will be uh, essentially owned 
difference in food hall is there's no bar, no dining area, carry out and delivery only. So a, a little bit of terminology. There'll be lots of links in the description of the actual podcast episode because this stuff is like learning a new language. So just wanted to lay the groundwork a little bit. I want to go ahead and go around the table and have the uh, moderators introduce themselves uh, Sean and Kyle were the ones that really brought this together, said, you know, all three of us podcast ho hosts want to uh, collaborate a little bit. And this is a space that we all kind of intersect. So, Sean, please, our fearless leader, uh, tell us a little bit about kind of yourself at a high level. And obviously, we'll dig into your uh, ghost kitchen concept specifically once we get into the meat of this thing. Sure. Thank you, Jensen. Um, I'm going to keep it brief uh, to begin with, because I tend to Go long-winded, go figure, I'm a podcaster. Uh, but my name is Sean Walshuff. I'm owner of Cali Barbecue Media. We're a barbecue brand and a media brand in San Diego. Um, we opened in 2008. We had a business for 13 years, full service, restaurant and sports bar, 5,700 square feet, 250 guests. Um, we relied on the internet to get known as we failed along the way. We learned how to use social media marketing to get people to care about what we do. Uh, but we never thought it was a good idea to open up another location. Um, typically restaurants, if you're successful and you figure out all the hard things that it is to run a profitable business, um, you typically build a concept and then you go and replicate that concept and that's how you make more money. Uh, we never thought it made, it made sense for us because of the complexities involved with running a restaurant, sports bar, barbecue concept. So uh, we never did open up another location until the pandemic. We expanded our first ghost kitchen location um, in downtown San Diego at a place called the Barrio Food Hub. I have Will um, from Willie Wings. He is on the panel today. He is one of the most impressive operators that I've seen, um, rapper, entrepreneur, and food, food media star. Um, he knows how to not only sell incredible food, but he knows how to sell his story so I'm really excited that he's here. Steven Swigurski is down in the audience, um, and he is our catering manager. He runs our ghost kitchen location, so we smoke the meat at our master smokehouse. We deliver it down to our what we call friendly ghost kitchen, and we're planning on opening another nine locations in San Diego County. So there's three million people in San Diego. Um, ghost kitchens prevent, present an incredible opportunity to add another location at a reduced cost. So adding another full service restaurant sports bar anywhere between one to 1.5 million, depending on the location. Kyle can talk more on the real estate side, but this allows us to get into 200 square feet, part of a master commissary smokehouse, um, under $100,000 to build out. We only have a 12 month commitment at the space that we're in. So it's a really exciting time, but I, I like what Kyle said on the last panel that we had on Clubhouse and the last podcast that we had. And it's, it's easy to get excited about the space. It's easy for me to get excited about the space, but I'm excited because for 13 years we've failed. So we've done so many things wrong operationally, marketing-wise, branding-wise, um, figuring out our food, learning the craft of barbecue. So it's easy for us to say it's a great opportunity. Um, that's why I'm excited for, for Willie um, from Willie Wings to talk about his you know, essentially his first brick and mortar business, which is Ghost Kitchen. Um, he's going to also be opening up a second one, but I'll, I'll let him speak to that. And the last thing I wanted to say is if you're listening to this on podcast, I know Jensen already uh, published this on his RSS feed, best, best served podcast, please uh, become a subscriber, follow their content on social, follow National Restaurant um, Podcast, which is Kyle's. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, please get on Clubhouse. Please download the Clubhouse app. Please get involved in the room. Please raise your hand. Please learn about the speakers. This is podcasting coming alive. 
It's a real live audience. And the people that are here in this room, I've made so many incredible connections over the last year. I've seen Zach Oates down in the audience. I see Troy. Um, I see so many people, Claire, that I've heard your story. Ryan, I've heard your story. And that's what that's what's powerful about Clubhouse. It's not just social media where you see a post and it's passive. When you hear something that compels you, you can click on someone's face and then you can follow them on Instagram, send them a DM, follow them on Twitter. So it's a very powerful platform. I invite you guys all to come and I'm going to shut up because I can't, <laughs> I can probably keep going on. So thanks, Jensen. Appreciate you. And, and you leader. So let's not get, let's not get that, that mixed up. The amount of con, the amount of work that Jensen has done to uh, put this panel on, uh, Kyle and I are, are grateful. So thanks, man. Man, I love the call to action to get people on the clubhouse. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So I appreciate that. Kyle, uh, tell us a little bit, break it down a little bit for uh, kind of your background and uh, where you're coming from, the work that you're working on these days. Uh, well, I'm, I'm following Sean again, which is always very uncomfortable for me. He's so he's so well spoken, so well put together. Um, thank you, Jensen, for putting this together. You absolutely are the mastermind behind this group, and, and, and I do appreciate that. Uh, my name is Kyle and Sarah. I've been in the restaurant industry for a really long time as an owner-operator. Uh, I've since um, sold my last restaurant and am now a commercial real estate advisor working strictly with restaurant brands across the country, um, helping them map out their pipelines for growth. Um, in addition, I am the host of the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. Basically, just have restaurant owners and you know other individuals who, you know, professional services, um, lawyers, uh, other real estate brokers on the show that can provide insight into the industry and kind of just maybe, you know, help some people uh, from making some of the same mistakes that we have all made um, in, in the process of, of getting our own concepts off the ground. Uh, I am a big fan of Clubhouse. I love the interaction. It reminds me of um, old school uh, New York sports talk radio. Uh, if anybody remembers that Mike, friend Mike and the Mad Dog from back in the day. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. And uh, yeah, this is a great topic. I'm looking forward to diving into it. Appreciate that. Yeah, lots of mistakes uh, made on this panel and so many. And I think that's one of the interesting things that we're navigating is, is you know, our expertise, experts and plenty of expertise here and, and even in the audience where you can only be an expert on what's happened in the past, right? And what we're trying to do is build a future. So creating a space for those conversations, the innovation, new voices, new ideas to come to light, uh, to galvanize and to bring people together, I think is what Clubhouse is allowing us the opportunity to do. And then for us to be able to get that onto the podcast so that if timing doesn't work, thousands of people can download that and still be able to interact and engage and get you know the, uh, the learned information that hopefully is gleaned from this. So appreciate that. Uh, Neely Pointer wants to have you introduce, go ahead and unmute yourself and Tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what's going on with your project, Chef Ready. Hi, yeah. So thank you, Jensen. I appreciate this. Uh, so my name is Neely Pointer, and um, I've actually, I have not been in the food business um, for the past 17 years. My husband and I started a data and technology firm, um, <clears throat> marketing firm in San Francisco. But through the years, we've invested in many restaurants and we have several friends uh, that were restaurant owners and chefs and, you know, just being in San Francisco and um, food connoisseurs just through the years we started seeing, especially for a few of our friends who own multiple restaurants as time had gone on, labor costs, you know, were rising and rent was rising and he, you know, they were closing down their restaurants one by one. 
And so just seeing the aftermath of all of this, we started to do some research into um, ghost kitchens. And, you know, we were researching ones that had been in, in Europe for some time. And then and then we saw some that had been brought into the U.S. And we really wanted to develop um, a model where it wasn't a very, you know, it wasn't a churn and burn kind of ghost kitchen. It was more about we wanted to create a company that offered the, conven the convenience of what a ghost kitchen offered, but one that that truly had greater efficiency. And what we're really focusing on, especially me being from California, is a greener footprint. And we picked a um, a spot in Denver. I was born and raised in Denver. Um, it's a it's definitely a growing market in Denver, and all of our family, my husband and I, both have all of our family that's in Denver, and so. We wanted to come up with our ghost kitchen concept um, and start in Denver and just kind of grow it and see, you know, it's just at the it's it's just at its precipice. We're just beginning to open. Um, and so just we're, again, picking Denver as our market and seeing where it will grow to next. Um, so it is a very, you know, with again, as I'm, you know, rising costs and low foot traffic, you know, this really helps um, a lot of those restaurateurs and, and aspiring ones as well, because you have no no investment money or key money. And, you know, we're very excited to kind of see how this plays out into the industry and kind of where our brand and our concept will go. Neely, appreciate that, that uh, <clears throat> trying to get away from the churn and burn mentality, something that we all know too well. I think we glorify it. I, I know that I have, and uh, it's time to think about something that's more equitable, profitable, and sustainable uh, for everybody involved through the whole ecosystem. And I think that's part of what we're talking about. And we may be talking a lot about technology and, and different virtual brands and ways to have multiple brands at one time. The undercurrent of all this is always going to be people connecting with people. Right. We are in the relationship business and no relationship was ever built by a product or service. It is always and will always be people. The products and services create the space, the opportunity, the like mindedness. And so that's uh, this is a new arena for that to happen. There's a lot of opportunity. There's also the potential for us to just uh, go right back into the same bad habits and say, well, it's still just a churn and burn restaurant without a dining room and uh, we need to shift that narrative significantly so appreciate that uh will uh go ahead and jump in tell us a little bit about yourself uh multi-talented obviously from the hip-hop side to the food side so break it down how, how does that trajectory set in for somebody like you give us a little background okay yeah so um yeah my name is will stewart um i'm part owner of willie wings it's me myself uh my grandmother and my uncle jimmy which is he's in here as well um Basically, um, we started two years ago. Um, we started out of my grandma's house. Um, we started doing pre-orders um, straight on every Sunday. Um, and then we were selling out every Sunday. And then from there, I took the idea from, uh, from going downtown and, and taking, taking my place downtown and waiting until people got out the club um, to sell my place. And then I also got um, spread it word of mouth. Um, and then from there... I went to the club, and then I, I was in the club picking as well, and now we're in the cloud kitchen. Um, I use my music a lot to promote to promote my food, which is which helps for me because um, social media is big for uh, the cloud kitchen because it's a good way to promote. I am such a big fan of what you're talking about. The differentiator is not the cheese and the the mushrooms that you put on your burger. It's the story that you tell. Sean is going to hammer that point home again and again throughout this conversation. I think that is so important. And anytime you can differentiate authentically and not have that just be a fake word that you write on the wall to get some some 
buzzworthy attention, but you actually live that life, I think is important. And that's going to be what people are resonating with. And then the food, it better be fire. The food better be good. But food is not what's important. The food is just the proof that you are who you say you are, right? So it's all about, we got to stop selling food and start telling stories. And this is a new way to do that. And we're going to talk about that end-to-end hospitality because there is this feeling right now, and it makes sense because of the way that we've adopted this technology and this new medium, that it's cold, that there isn't hospitality, that there isn't that face-to-face interaction. And I want to talk a little bit today about how we can bring personality, stories, and hospitality from end to end so that there's not divisions, that there's not animosity, that everybody working across this ecosystem, this supply chain, to get your wings to your guests is meaningful and impactful and again sustainable so that's what we're going to talk about i'm going to pose questions to kind of the group we're going to talk about again those baton handoffs those interactions how do we cultivate relationships with our with our landlords how do we cultivate relationships with our pnl something that us chefs really really despise how do we cultivate relationships with drivers with staff with the uh, customer, with technology, with multiple tablets that you're trying to manage with social media. It's a lot. It's overwhelming, absolutely. We're gonna unpack some of that. And then definitely check out uh, episode one of this series. And uh, we talked a little bit about kind of setting the table for this idea. We also got some uh, pitches from some people talking about their concepts with some feedback. And next week we're going to get, it's gonna be really, really informative and really, really, uh, boring for a lot of us chefs because we're going to break down all of the numbers. All right, let's get into this. Sean, you mentioned 13 years at your location, Cali Barbecue. Then you go into the virtual kitchen space, the ghost kitchen space. What what were the, what were the factors? What, what were the things that were a catalyst for you to decide to make that decision? You kind of touched on a little bit, but I want to go into it a little bit more because I want people to understand that there's definitely a lot of opportunity and you can also get yourself upside down really quickly. Give us some of the factors that you were weighing when you made that decision. Sure. So one of the statistics that is just eye-opening for me, and I, I read it in a book, I think it was called Be- uh, Jeff Be- Bezos Letters, which is essentially the shareholder letters that um, Jeff Bezos writes for Amazon um, in his presentation to the board. But in there, in that book, it was a statistic of why why he opened Amazon. And that was in 1994, he came across the statistic that the web usage was growing by 2,600%. 2,600% web usage in 1994. And it's so easy for us to take the smartphone for granted and the fact that we're on you know, iPhone 12 or whatever Android phone you're on and think about all the apps that have been created on the backs of these giants. But when you look at the statistics and you look at the companies that are getting involved in the ghost kitchen space, when you look at Amazon getting purchasing a company out of uh, or a portion of a company out of the UK, when you look at the former cloud kitchens, the former Uber executive Travis Kalanick is part of Cloud Kitchens, which is another startup. When you know that Google is backing a venture for Kitchens United, it's it's all numbers based. It's all numbers based on the fact that we're all on our phones more. It's, it's the attention economy. So for us being in a difficult location, you know, they tell you location, 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 when, when you're opening up, it's now digital, digital, digital. So where are, where are you on the map? So we have 3 million people in San Diego. My main goal is how do we become the Amazon Prime of barbecue for San Diego? 
when somebody thinks that they want barbecue, barbecue takes time and it takes expertise. So how do we solve that problem? We solve it through digital. And how do we do that? We do that through distribution points. So if we slow smoke the meat every single day, fresh, at our master smokehouse, which we're repurposing our restaurant to turn it into a master smokehouse, we add 10 Old Hickory smokers, we add delivery vehicles so that every single day we're bringing food fresh to downtown San Diego, to North County San Diego, to Central San Diego, to East County San Diego. Then we have distribution points and we're selling the story online. Once we're out of barbecue, we're out of barbecue. But that's where the opportunity is. And the opportunity is because of all these companies and all this attention. You know, the pandemic has only accelerated what we all know and what we knew was happening. People are focused on their phones, they're focused on Uber Eats, they're focused on DoorDash. I mean, Domino's is a tech company, Chipotle is a tech company. And if we don't start thinking like this, it's going to be to our detriment as entrepreneurs, but it's also the competitive advantage. Because we're not a huge company, because we're not, we don't have 50 restaurants, we don't have 150, we don't have 1,000 restaurants, we can pivot and we can make connections with people through Clubhouse. I see in the, in the audience is Zach Oates. I literally met Zach Oates. He's the founder of a company called Ovation. It's a technology company that literally provides digital hospitality for our ghost kitchen. So Jensen, your question was, how do we provide that human touch point? We provide that human touch point through technology. Humans are the heart of technology. So Zach Oates, I met through LinkedIn. I had a friend reach out on LinkedIn, somebody I did not know. He went, DM'd my inbox, said, hey, my name is Kevin CEO. This is what I do. This is my story. I said, great, let's get on a Zoom call. We had an incredible conversation. He said, you have to meet the founder of Ovation. It sounds like if you're hosting a podcast called Digital Hospitality, this is literally what the guy sells. I have a conversation with him. And now every time I speak, every time I'm on a podcast, every time I'm on a panel for US Foods, I'm talking about Ovation. Why? Not because not because that's a great guy. He's a phenomenal guy. We just hosted a, a digital hospitality room yesterday. But I do it because what his tool does, what his technology does, is it allows our staff, Stephen, who's in the audience, to interact with people that order from DoorDash, they order from GrabHub, and they order from Uber Eats. So there's a QR code that goes onto each of those bags. And we all know how to use QR codes now, thankfully, because of the pandemic. But it allows people to tell us how we did, to enter them in to win a $100 gift card every month. So they tell us how they did. If we got a, It's five emojis. If we got the best emoji, then it sends them to Yelp, it sends them to Google, or it sends them to Facebook. So we're getting more reviews. But more importantly, if we didn't do a great job, if we forgot the potato salad, or the brisket was too fatty, or we forgot the, the soda that goes with the order, or the sweet tea, we can get a text communication with Steven, who's at the shop, and then start to say, hey, we apologize. So now we've literally made that human connection and it creates an oh shit moment. Those oh shit memorable moments is what technology enables us to do as operators. And it's why I'm so excited about Clubhouse, it's why I'm excited about podcasting, and I'm gonna pass the mic because um, I'm long-winded. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Sean, I appreciate that. I love how impassioned you get and you go all the way to the uh, the end guest every single time, your your line of thought, I appreciate that. And uh, what big, big takeaway besides everything but from a practical standpoint for anybody thinking about how to position their operation and i'm going to come to kyle to, to delve into this a little bit further you're very much taking uh two of the four uh approaches that we mentioned in these different models you're taking kind of that satellite model where you've centralized some production and clearly barbecue takes massive amounts of production and then are able to take that to your satellite locations to then be able to minimize your footprint in those areas because 
real estate is absolutely at a premium. We've you know talked about occupancy costs for so long. Is it eight percent? Is it ten percent? These numbers, these industry standards, have been exposed as highly vulnerable and not viable for most businesses. And so it's an interesting dynamic when we're thinking about our footprint. So Kyle, I want to come to you. To, uh, you now have that uh, that real estate perspective top of mind for you. What are some of the considerations we need to be making when we're thinking about brick and mortar? Because look, the reality for us chefs is like, that's the dream. The dream is the brick and mortar restaurant. And this other thing, Ghost Kitchen, feels like it's not what I was you know, meant to do. It's not what Bourdain told us was what the pirates were supposed to be doing. It's not what we idolized. It's not the way that we came up. So making that shift feels like there's mindset and then there's some practicality. So considerations between brick and mortar and ghost kitchen. What are you talking people through? What do we need to be thinking about? You know, that's, that's one of the things that came out of this pandemic that I would love to impress on everybody here is, is the conversations with your landlord. Okay. I think you need to, I don't think you need, you need to be straightforward what your expectations are, what you've been through, what you've done through the pandemic, if this is your first restaurant, whatever the story is, and have an idea of, you know, what you, what the vision looks like for you, right? Whether that's like, hey, financially, I, I think I can do $2 million here. I want to pay action rent. Or tell them, hey, this is a new concept for me. I'm testing it out. I'd like to be able to, you know, we don't really know where we're going with this pandemic, the labor issue, whatever it is. Be upfront with them and tell them exactly what your needs are and what you want out of the space. You know, if it's, you want um, two spaces dedicated for pickup, uh, cause you're gonna be doing a lot of pickup. You wanna make sure your drivers have space. Um, ask for that in your lease. Um, things look like they're a complete disaster in the kitchen. Well, ask them to help you build it out and contribute some money toward, towards that. Um, you know, in general, I think the, the more transparency you have um, with your landlord, the better the relationship will be. I mean, here in New York, you know, it's notorious how rough some of these landlords are, right? I mean, these, some of these guys were kicking restaurants out mid pandemic, but the ones that made it, the ones that are here today to the, to the day when they're reopening all the restaurants in New York city with no restrictions, it's, um, they did it through conversation and in understanding. And frankly, if you are unable to have that, um, those conversations where you can be be who you are and, and understand uh, both their perspective and they understand your perspective. I think that's uh, ultimately going to be um, a key to your success. If God forbid something like this happens again or, or, or anything happens, you know, it, that, that relationship has been so strenuous for so many years. Right. And now it's just time to say, Hey, look, man, we both need each other. This pandemic wasn't my fault. It wasn't your fault. We're in a whole new world here. And these are what I need. Um, I need to build out a little extra space for a ghost kitchen. I'm going to need some more BTUs for gas. I'm going to need some more staff parking, whatever it is. Don't be afraid to ask for it and just be clear on exactly what it is that you want. These landlords have in this time gotten more savvy and to, to sort of harp on, on Sean's point, um, you know, they are looking at you on social media first. They're looking at you to see what you've done, who you are, uh, what your brand is all about and to see if you'd be a good fit for them. So the, 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 the conversation and the relationship has gotten more um, intricate. It's gotten more um, communicative, I hope. 
and it's gotten more personal. You know, they, they want to know that when the shit hits the fan or, or if you start to struggle, what that looks like. And they're not going to be taking flyers on people who don't, you know, hit the traditional targets in terms of credit, financial viability and concept. And they also want to know what you do, you know, it, what you're able to do if things start to go sideways. Are you one of those people who digs in and, and makes it happen? Or are you going to run for the hills? So uh, be prepared for that and just be honest. And, and in my opinion, just ask for the world and see what comes back to you. Yeah, Kyle, once again, building those relationships. And Neely, I want to come to you here in a moment to pick that up as somebody who's now in that position as a landlord, navigating that, figuring out what that relationship looks like, what your expectations are. So let's let's go there. Neely, for you, when you're looking at potential candidates to be part of Chef Ready, what are some of those factors? You know, what are the very practical things that Kyle mentioned? What are some of those intangibles where you just see that they have a vision for something or a talent and just haven't been given the opportunity? Like, what are some of the factors? Because the audience listening, so many of them are saying, I have this idea that I scribble down in a napkin. It's my family recipe. It's something that's meaningful to me. I want to bring it out. I mean, Will is here, you know, with the whole family, like in the room. And so, we want to uplift them and create that opportunity for them and be realistic at the same time that just because you have a good idea does not mean that you have a viable business. So break down some of the factors for you in consideration, uh, specifically talking to people that would potentially be looking to get into the ghost kitchen space. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny um, what Kyle was saying, because I think there is a lot of negotiating power, at least, from our end, again, our whole idea and our concept is we do not want to have that revolving door. So when we are looking at tenants and there has been, you know, some that we have passed over and there and there's been some that, you know, you do a much or most of them you do a much uh, uh, deeper dive into is we really want, you know, it's, we view it as more of a partnership. So, and this is something that we always state is their success is our success because if they're not succeeding, the cost of having to go through and finding new tenants and getting, you know, them not succeeding, them getting out, just the cost on both parties is exuberant. And so we, you know, we kind of walk through, we figure, you know, we, we listen to what their background is. Some of them have had brick and mortars in the past. Some of them currently do. Some of them had to shut some down and some of them are just ones who've always wanted, had all these ideas that wanted to come to the table and say, okay, now I can actually afford the barrier of entry is so much lower. I can now actually afford to, to get into the space and see how it works. So, you know, it has to do with kind it has to do with what their background is, what their ideas, you know, their, their plan. It has to do with, you know, a lot of it is, is just kind of the commitment level from both sides. Um, you know, what are they willing, you know, how do they foresee it? What, you know, and a big thing is, is what different type of brands are they looking to do? And some of them come with, they may have like one very specific, you know, menu that they want to start out with, and then they're going to expand from there. Um, but it really is it really is definitely a much deeper dive than I think in, in how, how it used to be traditionally um, is to where both parties are really interviewing each other and making sure that, you know, they want to succeed. We want them to succeed. Is this the right place for us? Um, and so it's kind of an interview um, on, you know, if you were, if this was a job hiring for, on, on both ends. Um, because again, for us, we, we provide, we feel we provide and we want to provide a lot more for our tenants in order to make sure that they can do as, you know, as, as best or as, as well as they can do. And, 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 and again, going back to Kyle's point of, you know, it's all a negotiation and you should never be afraid to ask, 
you know, that's also something that we tell our tenants. If, if there is something that, you know, you, you want to ask for later down the road, if things aren't working and we have to adjust things, that's something that we are 110% open to. Um, so, you know, I definitely think it is for us, we look at on many different levels, just from, you know, exactly what your background is, what you're offering, what you need, what you want, and kind of your pathway into success, um, and how we can be a good, a good provider for that and to kind of help, you know, shoot off in trajectory. And also we want to grow together because this is our first one and we're planning on opening more. Our goal is, is that, you know, we want you to be very successful here so that when we grow and open additional spaces, we want you to come with us. Um, yeah, that's great, Neely. And I'll piggyback on that a little bit because uh, myself, Best Serve, have intimate knowledge of Chef Ready because we've been working with them uh, f- since when? Since November, October of uh, of this past year. And so what's been interesting in this process, and so many people reach out to me, especially tech companies, uh, people that are looking to get exactly this space. So many uh, startups have reached out that are looking to get into ghost kitchens because we kind of are almost gatekeepers uh, for the industry a little bit. And so many of them tell me that they're all about the people. They're all about support. And you ask three questions and it's clear that that's just a facade. And one of the things that challenged Neely and, you know, it's a family owned operation, brother, sister at the, at the head of it was we have to truly invest in the people's success. And so many of them are so passionate, have such great talent and great ideas Yet there's always, for all of us, there's always some part of the immense formula that it takes to have any chance of success in this industry. We're always missing something. And sometimes you're so in it, you're so in the food that you don't see where you have those weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And so really being able to do that. So the investment that Chef Ready made to have our team, Andrew Parr specifically from our team, really be able to walk through and, and get these these tenants, these these young operators or seasoned operators into a completely new fashion. And I cannot tell you how different it is opening a concept like this than it is a restaurant. And I want to talk about this a little bit and come to Will here in a, in a minute uh, as somebody who's navigating that currently is this isn't just a restaurant with no dining room. Marketing, marketing, marketing. And we have spent so little. I mean, restaurants spending two, three percent of sales on marketing. We're talking you're in like growth strategy at all times in something like this, and you need to shift those industry standards to P and L. You need to be on the forefront of marketing and storytelling at all times in a very unique way, in sometimes a very different language. And you're communicating with, you know, for example, I, I joke about it. I am very bullish on the adolescent uh girl and guy of the household are going to be driving decision-making around so many food aspects because they are tech first. They are adopting technology as native. And so it's interesting how we market. So I want to lay that kind of expectation and foundation. Again, it can't be about selling food. It has to be about telling those stories. The food is the vehicle for that connection, that relationship. So Will, for you, again, talk to us a little bit about how you're getting that story out there specifically, uh, because I think it's important. I think it sets an expectation. You talked about the hip hop. That's a unique angle. You talked about the family dynamic. What and how are you marketing that you're seeing some success? Again, that end-to-end hospitality so that everybody along the way you know the driver as he's delivering your food is listening to your song that then drops off that food the vibe 
is strong. It's not animosity. It's, it's the feeling of that we're in this together. How are you kind of cultivating those relationships? Well, yeah, well, um, I'm just really, I'm just, I'm just really being myself in it all. Like I got the recipe from my grandmother, gave her the idea about it. And like, she basically believed in, in, in what I wanted to do. And um, I felt like it was more at first, like I wanted to push the music and I just needed to find something to uh, to help me market my music, but then it, it kind of reversed. So like I, uh, I started just pushing my food more and uh, using my music more as, as marketing and sharing my story really. And you know, um, like we, we started from the ground up. So we started basically from, the, from, from my grandmother's kitchen to this cloud kitchen we're in right now. This is our first, like, actual real kitchen. So, like, the story is, is amazing. It's true. And um, I feel like everybody, like, kind of, like, cause I'm, I'm born and raised in San Diego. So, I like, I adapt to the people I grew up with, the, the people in my neighborhood and all that. So it started from inside the community, and then I reached out to the outside. So I, I basically, I just say basically the way I did everything is basically just being myself and just, sticking to my passion and following my lane. Love hearing that. Uh, Sean, want to have you pick up this a little bit uh, in, into this marketing side of it. We're talking about uh, the relationships. I am most fascinated. I'm, marketing is not just for selling your product. That's what sales and advertising is. Marketing is telling a story. And I think we get that a little bit convoluted sometimes. What I'm, what I'm interested in, maybe Sean, if you can pick up how you market, how you present your brand, how you present yourself, how you form a relationship. I want to talk about that driver for a moment, because I think within the industry, we kind of see this animosity building, right? There's Facebook groups where it's like hashtag decline now from driver's side. There's there's people in restaurants uh, that, you know, pivoted and we're doing a lot of carry out and delivery or the ghost kitchen models where they're like, oh, they're just, you know, walking in and, and aren't respecting our space or they're taking our tips and it's not helping anybody, especially not that, that end guest who is looking for bringing your brand into their home. Like you have got to respect somebody that wants to bring your brand into their home, their most intimate space. That should mean something. And I think we're forgetting that a little bit. So talk about that a little bit. How can we market to improve the relationships to make sure that the hard work that Will is doing gets to the guest in the most meaningful, impactful way? What can we do there? Where's the opportunity? Yeah, I, I appreciate the question. I, I was in a room and the title of the room was The Future of Food and Hospitality. And when I started thinking about the question or the name of the room, the future of food and the future of hospitality, it's in our hands. And that's through the smartphone, but it's also from the earth. You know, it, it, my obsession with digital hospitality is understanding how do we st sell the stories that we're already doing. Brick and mortar businesses and restaurant businesses, we've been doing this for hundreds and thousands of years. I mean, the tavern owner, the bar owner, we've been telling stories. And then those villagers, they go and they tell other people to come down to this tavern or come down to this restaurant. And what I love about uh, Willie and Jimmy that he's in the room is that they're all in on the smartphone. You know, it's we take the smartphone for granted, you know, whether it's an iPhone or whether it's an Android, like we're so privileged to have the ability to produce audio, video, written word and images literally at zero cost, at zero distribution, as long as you have Internet access. So if you have Internet access for free, you can go shopping today. It's called the App Store. Go shopping. 
Start downloading those apps. Download the Clubhouse app if you're listening to this on a podcast. Download the Clubhouse app, get involved, claim your profile, come into these rooms, raise your hand, participate, start a room. You can start a room in the digital hospitality room, but start sharing the stories because it's so much more than a transaction. You know, and I, that, back to what I said before is when, when I say every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business, every person, every chef, anyone that's in this clubhouse, you're curious and you're getting involved, it puts you in a different position than so many other people that are taking this technology for granted. If you take the technology for granted and you're not willing to remove the ego, and I, I have to talk about this more, but I had to get out of my own way to know that I'm a guy in San Diego, a kid that grew up in San Diego that's talking about craft barbecue. I mean, I've been laughed at and I had to have I had to learn how to have tough skin. And I also had to learn how to get over myself to know that I don't have to be the barbecue expert. Gene Goykache is our pit master. So I share his story. I put him on camera. I go live with him. But I also go live and I tell the Cali barbecue media story because no one's going to tell it the way that I do. And one of the things that, you know, that Willie Wings does is that they're bringing people into their community. Willie's doing things for the community when he does a charity event, when he's donating to the homeless. Guess what? He's going live. He's going live on Instagram. He's posting it on TikTok. He's posting it on you name it. That's where it is. And it's leading to other legacy media opportunities. So, you know, it's a very important conversation. And I think, you know, we need to get, get out of our own ways and start to utilize the technology to our advantage and, and share, share the story of whoever we are. You know, we have people in this room that do, are in technology. We have people that are in publishing. We have people that are in marketing. Like, even if you're in marketing, you still need to have an Instagram account. You still need to update your profile. You know, talk, if, you, if you're working for the company you want to talk about, that company should be on social. They should be sharing things that move you. You should want to reshare them. And if they're not, I would question you to look at the company that you work for. That's it. I'm Sean. I'll yield the mic. Kyle, I'm, I'm actually going to like skip over you and come back so you don't have to follow Sean again. He's bringing villagers from a thousand years that. ago into the conversation. That. I don't know. I don't even know where to go from there. Uh, but I'm going to come back to Kyle because, Neely, I, I want to stay on the driver for a moment. And then, Kyle, I want to talk about the end guest and the chef relationship a little bit uh, as we kind of get to the tail end of, of this room. Neely, the you and I, we have talked a lot about the driver relation. I think it is the biggest opportunity and biggest vulnerability in this space, marketing right there with it. Yet, I think that what Chef Ready is planning to do, and it's still got to execute, but planning to do of really creating hospitality for drivers, that you know their names, that you have a relationship with them, that they're, they're swagged out with merch, just like your staff is, that you you if you are long on a ticket that you hold yourself accountable that they are not just standing there at a door with blank faces all of these things that i think are happening and have the potential to happen why was that important what are some of the things that you want people to pay attention to when it comes to kind of the driver and the food operation relationship so for us i think um just from witnessing and seeing what you know has been happening and occurring within the space it became pretty important to us because you know we started reaching out to and talking to various drivers and also some other operators and in, in some ghost kitchens as well and and without having that you know drivers will so depending there are there are very there are various things that are very important to drivers and you know your food is not going to be delivered if a driver is not going to pick it up so 
for us, you know, where the location is, is there parking at the location? Is it a busy spot? Is it an easy spot to pull over and run in? Are there restrooms for drivers to use? Is the, is the customer um, support staff that's there, are they able to um, really communicate well? Are they, are they kind of running on time? Are they own, owning up to any, you know, responsibility of, of, you know, if orders aren't ready or if things are, are messed up? Is there, you know, water or coffee or stuff for the drivers, you know, as, as Jensen mentioned, swag is something that we, you know, also wanted to offer drivers to kind of help them, you know, I guess in turn, because it all lies with them and making them feel like, you know, that that what they're doing is important because it is, um, you know, a lot of drivers that we that we've spoken to, like they will simply turn down certain certain um, orders that they know that it's coming for, from a specific building, especially if they've had a very bad experience with that building um, or with the restaurant coming out of it or whatnot. So. For us, you know, along with many other things, the driver relationship and also making sure that we have very good customer support dealing with the drivers because it is the key and vital piece of this business outside of marketing as well. But, um, you know, you don't really have a delivery only virtual kitchen without drivers. So we definitely try to focus in on what would make our building and our brand and our restaurants uh, more appealable to them in order to make them want to continuously come back to pick up orders um, and do more deliveries. Yeah, you want them lined up outside your location because they know that there's consistent orders. They know that, you know, you, that your brands have created a strong relationship with their community, with their guests. So that means the potential for tips are going to be higher, right? We also know, I'm so big on taking the things that we historically have done really well or do well in restaurants and applying those, deploying them against things we historically have done poorly. And so some of when I see this relationship breakdown, some animosity forming and kind of feeling some of the tension on both sides of that equation, I wonder what are we good at? Well, we understand the value, right? After the dishwasher, there's a couple more important roles. I think the expo and food runner, because they have to speak kitchen and front of house. I think the host, because it's the first and last touch that, that a guest potentially has. Well, you're talking about a driver as a food runner, and they are the last point of interaction that a guest has before they go ahead and eat your food. So making sure that there's hospitality from end to end, there's an opportunity. We have to cultivate that. We cannot just point the finger at some bad actors who have not delivered food and this and that, and you hear some of the horror stories. The reality is there's a lot of good people, especially during a pandemic, that are trying to make ends meet, that want to be a part of something meaningful. If you invest time, effort, thought, and care into them, imagine that. It's reciprocated. That's what we do in hospitality. So apply that same methodology, I think, is key. Uh, I see Uncle Jimmy joined us. I'm excited about that. Jimmy and Will, we'll come back to you. But Kyle, I do want to give you that opportunity to touch on the relationship uh, for chef all the way to the end consumer. Sean has mentioned the smartphone multiple times. I think we're all in on that, yet sometimes still we're a little bit Luddites. We don't quite understand the technology. We struggle with it a little bit. And so... You know, for chefs, when we're talking about making things with our hands, we're like, yeah, but if you just make the food, if you build it, they will come mentality has been exposed. I don't think that was ever true. Just make great food and people will come. But it definitely isn't true anymore. So I'm interested in that dynamic. And I want to like the relationship that we form when that food shows up is important. And so one of the things I've said to a lot of chefs is like everyone's using a QR code now. Sean mentioned that. Put a QR code on your to-go food and do a little plating demo video that they can take it out of the to-go box and plate it themselves because you did it deconstructed. 
Can you create a video that says, hey, we, you know, so grateful for your order. Appreciate you getting this DoorDash. It means so much to us. And hey, if you're ever able to order directly from us through our Chow Now and Last Mile, we'd be eternally grateful. If not, please just continue to support uh, local businesses. You imagine the impact that that can have. I want to touch on that, Kyle. I don't know that there's a question there, just a bunch of rants that you now have to unpack, but <laughs> get into it. Relationship, chefs, customer, uh, through technology, what can we do? You know, I, yeah, there is a lot to unpack there, but two things that I'm that I'm a big fan of that have sort of emerged through this whole thing and, and are, are going to be more important as we move forward are chefs as their brand. You know, I think one of the things that I love to see were these chefs who were like, hey, you know what, we're going to make our special tonight here on Instagram. Um, you'll see in the comments, you know, the list of stuff they need to buy to make our signature rigatoni or whatever the case is. And then, you know, catch us, catch us live um, tonight at six o'clock and we're going to make it together. Things like that, the behind the scenes stuff, the interviews with the vendors, the interviews with the farmers, the interviews with the cocktail mixologists or the spirit vendors, just tell the story. I think telling the story and lifting that curtain of what's going on behind, um, you know, your your operation and, and putting it out there. Look, I, and I realize like not every chef wants to be in front of a camera. Not every chef wants to be, um, you know, their picture taken. But you know what? There's something that you can do. Maybe it's a podcast weekly with the chef. Maybe um, it's it's. Uh, recipes you know that he'll share some you know his dessert recipes i think being your brand and putting it out there via that sort of like here's who we are we want to give it all away to you the same mentality that you hear from all these big gurus in regards to social media and what they know is give it away show people show people what what you got going on and the other part of that is is um you know delivering on an experience you know the the the, the pickup and the delivery are so important um now, I think it's time to throw away the aluminum containers with the clear plastic tops and the, and, the, and the cheapest bags you can find. I think it's time to invest in your experience because the reality is you guys are spending, particularly chefs, right? You're spending so much time sourcing ingredients, developing recipes, training cooks to execute things for you know, a certain experience for the guest just to have it handed off to somebody in an aluminum container that gets you know crushed but you know, by the slightest bit of weight and undoes all that hard work and completely ruins the guest experience the second that it arrives. Put some thought into what you're making, what can be delivered, what can't be delivered, how it's packaged. You know, are you gonna have some branding on there? I hope so. Um, and some sort of call to action in there. You know, like, hey, catch us this Friday on Instagram. We're gonna make our, you know, our tiramisu or whatever the hell it is. And just keep that conversation going. It used to be, right? Like it used to be not that long ago that restaurateurs and chefs had those relationships with their guests in the four walls of the restaurant. That relationship now extends beyond those four walls. And thinking that it doesn't, you know, is really short-sighted. It's actually probably more important, more important than ever. And you have the ability to do so through social media and, and then through the way that you're delivering your products and how you communicate with them um, that way. Yeah, you don't just have 32 uh, tables in your dining room that you can turn two and a half times on a Thursday night. You have how many tens of thousands of people that are in a five-mile radius of that location that you can be of service to. Now you can use your smartphone. Sean, I'm getting good at saying smartphone. Now you can use your smartphone to create table touches, to interact just like you would if you had butts and seats like we are so used to having. So and Jimmy and, and Will, I want to come to you. I want to throw a couple of things out there too as an opportunity I see with every operation, especially in this virtual and ghost kitchen model that 
Kyle kind of touched on every single brand, every single food operation has to be in CPG, consumer packaged goods. You have to create versatility within revenue streams and you're creating brand awareness and staying top of mind. If your wing sauce is always in somebody's fridge or pantry, every time they look at it, they're reminded, I need some wings, right? Every time that they bring friends over for a cookout as that's starting to happen again, somebody is reminded and people love introducing their friends and family to new experiences. So you have to create that memorable moment beyond that one transaction. Content creates an opportunity to do that, I think as well. You need to be in cooking classes, right? You need to create multiple revenue streams because you need to be diversified so that you're always top of mind, that you can always, right, the upsell, again, something we're good at. You know, in, in the restaurant industry, apps and desserts is where you actually make money in cocktails. Your entrees, a lot of times those are loss leaders for you or merely make a margin. You have to make sure that you're diversified and the ability to upsell in a new model is going to be important. So Jimmy and Will, Jimmy, maybe have you jump in uh, and, uh, and uh, speak to us a little bit. But I'm interested for you guys, you know, like frozen bags of wings. I, I need to see it. I want to see it. I want to see that wing sauce and all the variants uh, going to people. I want you to be able to do the Super Bowl party uh, IG live, you know, how to curated by, uh, Willie's wings. Like these are the things I think are interesting. So, uh, Jimmy, please jump in. Will, please jump in. Love to hear from the two of you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, Sean and Kyle, they really hit it on point with the technology and the branding. Uh, we we're, we're living in a technology driven world right now. And because of this business, this cloud kitchen business, these ghost kitchens, it's all about technology. It's all about the data. Um, so if you don't collect your data, though, in the future, it's going to be a little bit harder for you to remarket, retarget market, to recycle your marketing. 20 years ago, we didn't have this type of technology. 20 years ago, I was selling millions of records for Warner Brothers and Universal. And we knew that this time will come when we will have our smartphones right in the palm of our hands to distribute as fast as we can possibly can at a low, low, low price. And before we was doing traditional marketing, which is the ads on TV, billboards, uh, street teams, flyers, print, and all that. But now with today's world, we have these apps, just like um, Sean um, said earlier that you can download some of these apps and produce your own content really with no cost. And because of that, you're, you're a content producer. And when becoming a content producer, you're putting your brand out there as you speak live. Like now, when you see these cooks, they're in a the kitchen, just like myself or William. My mom look at us like, why are we always on a computer or, or the cell phones or the smartphones? And it's because we're, con we're producing content as we go. We're engaging with our followers, our fan base. We're making new music to go with our um, new um, boneless wing brand. And we're doing this over and over and over again. And the more we do that, we get to collect that data. That data is very important to us. It's important to our business. And it's important to the future of our marketing strategy. So we like to include a lot of, um, a lot of these components. There's a lot of moving components that when it goes into um, marketing digital marketing back in the days they we used to call it online marketing now it's social media marketing and you can't be afraid of 
buying ads on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So the strategy with that is like you have to produce as much content as possible and most importantly, engage with mostly everybody that's on there because you may have like 7,000 followers, but how many are you reaching? So there's a certain point, there's a threshold that what's, which, which is called uh, machine learning. Now, machine learning is a big part of what's going on now, which is what Uber is doing and is what other marketing companies are doing because there's, there's not people behind the computer trying to find in your geographic area who's using their smartphone to use to go to Uber Eats or DoorDash, their their machine learning technology behind it, the the Uber engineers has created a very very sophisticated um, strategy for this. So, and by doing this though, it's machine learning, and when they do that, we know in each each zip code within a fifteen mile fifteen mile radius, five mile a mile radius, they know that these are the people that's ordering at least about two three times a week. On Uber, they know what they want before they even pick up their phone to order. So it's it's at the end of the day, as a business for a cloud kitchen, you have to have your your own data and you have to collect that. We started off six months prior before opening the doors, February twelfth. We did hardcore marketing online, meaning Facebook and Instagram. I'm from the old school where we do both online and street. So we have street marketing, which is our street team, which was Will. Will will go to all the clubs and, and do pop-ups. He was perfect for the, for the setup of grassroots marketing. That was the street push. Now comes the digital push. The digital push was very important though, because now we can reach people at a faster pace, at a cheaper cost, and we're getting um, business to customer relationships quickly. Fast, so to dis uh, to distribute our content is is so much better than it was twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, was the old school way just took so long and took forever. Now it's acceptable to pick up your phone and record yourself and just talk. That's what people, real people, want to see. Real people, and instead of a big million dollar advertisement ad. People don't want to go for that anymore, especially the millennials and the younger generation, because this this younger generation are so smart. They don't want to go for the fake advertisement anymore. Like we'll see with Carl's Jr. or the other advertisement ads. We want to see real people just just advertise right there in real time on the digital plat on their favorite um, digital platform. Who, Jimmy, man, that was uh that was special. I appreciate that. Everything that you just said, uh, my ears are buzzing for sure. I, you know, a couple of things to unpack from that. Number one, I love that you went this old school, new school approach where basically Will was out there like hustling mixtapes, you know, like being able to get out there and connect with the people and bring that brand directly to the people while still understanding that also people are all over all of these different channels. And here, here's the punchline for everybody, because I hear this from a lot of operators, from a lot of chefs, from a lot of people in that food startup mode. Digital advertising works. The end. It works. It has worked. It's working. And it will continue to work if you know how to work it, right? 
And that comes to the strategy. It comes to the deployment of it. It comes down to the creative of it. All of these things play a role in it. It works because it'll often hear like, yeah, we did a couple of Facebook ads and it didn't really work for us. So we're not going to do it anymore. You didn't actually work it. You didn't actually spend the time to understand the medium to be able to then communicate in that way that actually lands for the audiences that we know are there. So make sure you understand that it works. All right. And uh, appreciate that. All right. We're going to wrap up pretty soon. Neely, I do want to come to you because now you are in the unique position of having this strong marketing background and, uh, and kind of that San Francisco, Silicon Valley tech marketing, kind of navigating those spaces and now being uh, in the wild, wild west of food, which uh, can be scary as hell. And again, a lot of opportunity. It's a, it's a land grab a little bit right now. So we, we're, we're trying to like navigate that. Uh, but want to let everybody know again, a lot was discussed today. There's going to be uh, resources and links that you can find. So bestservepodcast.com on Anchor or anywhere that you get your podcasts at noon Eastern time this upcoming Thursday. This recording will be available and you'll be able to kind of siphon all of these uh, superpowers that the panel have brought to the forefront uh, for sure. So make sure you get yourself on that. Also on there, you'll find... Uh, part one of this series where we did the ghost kitchen launch party and this upcoming uh, Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, we will be back on clubhouse for part three of this mini series, uh, Sean and Kyle and myself and, uh, and a few others to break down some of the numbers, the cost, what it's actually the barrier of entry as Neely had mentioned. So, and then I'll give all the panelists just a moment to kind of let us know, where you can find them because there's a wealth of information resources and everybody on here is so willing and happy to have somebody DM them and be able to support because we're all about building that community and building a future that is uh, better for this industry and the individuals that commit themselves to it. So Neely, uh, last thoughts maybe on some marketing things. I think Sean, Kyle, Jimmy, everybody like really hit a lot of great points home. Anything you'd like to add uh, giving us that marketing perspective? Yeah, so it's funny just listening to Jimmy. So our um, marketing company that we have in San Francisco that we've been running for years, I mean, we actually are, there was one point where our company was all uh, data scientists and all they did was was build machine learning where we collected all the data for our clients, um, where it, they just kind of ran with, through so many algorithms as to figuring out exactly to what, you know, exactly what the consumer wants, what they eat, what they drink, what they look like. I mean, it goes, it can be, it can become so detailed as to the data you collect. So data collecting is extremely important and, and it is something that for these ghost kitchens in order to succeed, um, I will say it is all about marketing, 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 and a lot of what we do today, um, which we will be helping our, our tenants with our space, but also with our, our, our digital company um, in San Francisco, a lot of what we do is all, you know, the majority of our marketing now has all shifted. I mean, we still have, um, we have, we built out a whole bunch of machine learning and have our own algorithms um, that we do that to kind of see through and shift through the data in order to figure out who, who our best consumer is and who we want to target market for every single thing that we, that our products are. Um, but a lot of it is through social media, right? So the kind of biggest players now is, you know, whether it's Facebook or it's Google um, and Facebook owning Instagram and, and, and all the others. So, you know, I do just want to piggyback on kind of what they've all said in the sense of marketing is huge and it is 
probably the biggest thing that a uh, ghost kitchen needs to focus on and spend a lot of time on. And when you're also looking, if you're looking to go into a ghost kitchen, that is something that you want to um, ask them and see if they'll partner with you in, in terms of helping you. How can, you know, they need to participate in their own marketing, but what what is that ghost kitchen doing in turn to help to help you also build your brand? So um, I do think that marketing is 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 kind of at the forefront and is huge in, in this space. Appreciate that. And again, thinking about marketing, thinking about even the data as the ability to cultivate that community. I think that's going to be an important aspect of it because sometimes the, the pushback from hospitality people is like, that feels cold. That feels calculated. That feels manipulative. And the reality of like, look, we've always been doing this. We have regulars. We literally branded the people that are part of our community. Do we have data on them? Yeah. I know their birthday. I know their name. I know their dog's name. I know what they like to eat. I know what they like to drink. I know the last place they went on vacation. This is what we're deploying. If your intent is good, if you understand the medium of social, of marketing, of the smartphone, you have an opportunity to connect in, again, more than the 32 tables you have in your dining room. So I want to echo that for sure. All right. I want to go around the horn uh, with anybody and, uh, and kind of find out where people can connect with you. I think we learned a lot today. I want to be respectful of everyone's time, get everyone on to uh, the rest of the business of their day. But uh, where can we find you follow up? Because I'm sure lots of people have follow-up questions, would like to connect, would like to learn from you, would like to buy that mixtape, whatever it is. So uh, we'll go around the horn and uh, connect with everybody. Will, Jimmy, for you guys, best place to connect with you all. And uh, obviously, if we're in San Diego to get some wings, but even on the social side, the digital side, to learn from you guys, uh, where's the best place to connect? Um, the best place you can find us is um, on Instagram, um, our website, willywings.com. Um, all our social medias, are all, it's all Willie Wings. So Willie Wings with a Z. Yeah, that's a good point. And another thing, too, though, if you, anybody wants to call or text me directly, feel free. The number is 619-820-7779. And that's that's one of the good things about technology is like when you text me, I'm going to reply right back. Appreciate that. It's, you know, uh, Kyle and Sean actually do some rooms where it's like the, the art of the DM slide. And I think now, you know, there's there's access. You have access like never before. Again, if you do have access to the uh, Internet, I don't want to overlook people that do not have that. So obviously there is a barrier Yet once and if you're able to overcome that barrier, you have you have access to whomever has an opportunity to support you and who that you can support. So appreciate that. Uh, Neely, best place to connect with you and Chef Ready. Uh, if somebody is interested in what you're doing, if somebody is in the Denver area and is looking to uh, get into a virtual kitchen model, best places to connect with you. Uh, yeah, so, you know, our website is chefready.com. Um, you can follow us or connect with us on Instagram, which is chefreadykitchens. Um, you can also email me at neely at chefready.com. And then, uh, you know, my, my number as well, because I want to make sure I give it out because Jimmy gave out his. Um, it's 415-850-4043. So, yeah, if you want to call or text, um, we'll make sure that we'll get in contact with you as well if you are planning or wanting to potentially um, look at uh, a ghost kitchen in Denver. And we will be or hoping to expand as well. So those locations will be um, we will make sure to list those um, as soon as we get them. Thank you.
Here we go. Maybe somebody's got the uh, real estate connection. We'll have to uh, ping Kyle back. I know you had to run on that front because who knows? You're going to need one of these chef readies in your community at some point. So it's all about those connections. Uh, Sean, for you, best place to connect. And, uh, you know, any parting thoughts as, as well from you before we uh, wrap up here? Sure. I'm going to take Jimmy's lead. 619-993-0230. That's my cell. And I love the fact that you gave out your cell, Jimmy. That's so powerful. And Neely, thanks for sharing as well. And Willie, um, I've really enjoyed the panel. I've been enjoying Clubhouse, like I've said, 600 times. Uh, best place to connect with me is at Sean P. Walchef. So S-H-A-W-N-P, middle initial and last name, W-A-L-C-H-E-F. Um, connect with me on Instagram. Uh, you can, on Clubhouse, it's so cool because it's an interactive platform. So if you're listening to this on pad- podcast, like I said before, please get on Clubhouse because if I find you on another platform, guess what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you to get on Clubhouse <laughs> because I've met so many incredible people that are down in the room that didn't get a chance to share. Troy, Aaron, Josh, he's got the party cone on, Claire, Stover, Joe, Phyllis is going to be a podcast guest. Josh is going to be on, Corey, Laura. Um, I truly appreciate you guys being in the room and this is where hospitality comes to life. I mean, it's coming to life on the smartphone and I'm just grateful, Jensen, for you and your team. I love the fact that you have your team here um, on every call. The work that you guys are doing, a best served podcast, please follow their club room. Um, we also have a club room called Digital Hospitality. That's the name of our podcast. Um, club, the club room is called Digital Please check those out. And um, the last thing I'll say is stay curious, get involved, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Appreciate that. Great way to wrap for us. I always want people to go to bestsurfpodcast.com and check out so many of the articles that we're publishing from people at every level and every facet of the industry because we are truly committed to amplify the worth and work of those who feed their community. And there's so many more voices that need to be brought into the narrative. And we are committed to that. Absolutely. Corey was in the room. Sophie was in the room. That The team is, is 100% in on the future of this industry and we have a lot of work to do and there's a lot of opportunities especially when we have great rooms like this and tag us if you're on tiktok at best serve podcast if you're on instagram at best serve podcast if you're on twitter at best serve pod tag us and stuff we love engaging and interacting it's so important it can be scary to start making and putting out content and who's going to care and is it good enough i care it's good enough tag us in it and we will help amplify the message and the work that you are doing. So thanks to uh, Neely Pointer, Jimmy, Will, Sean, uh, Kyle, everybody who joined in, everyone who's listening on the podcast. And uh, we'll end it there. Thank you all so much for the work that you do. And uh, have a great rest of your day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.